Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I want to teach for a few moments tonight something that God has laid upon my heart. And uh, I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 14 for just a few minutes. Exodus chapter 14. And then I'm going to be going over to several other places. But I won't teach long tonight because I believe, I believe that there's victory in our worship. There's victory in our praise. As we enter into this last week of fasting, it's not too late to jump in. You've never done it. It's just powerful. It's just powerful. If you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. And in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 3, for Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. This is the story of Israel coming out of Egyptian bondage. And when they got to the Red Sea, and they had mountains on both sides. They had nowhere to turn. And listen, Pharaoh... The enemy, a type of Satan, will say to the children of Israel, of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. They're closed in. They're out of options. The wilderness has closed them in. Verse 9 said, they pursued them, the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, and overtook them just when it looks like it's over. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and shall hold your and you shall hold your peace. Listen to what he says now. Here's the key to it. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight on the subject of what to do when you're outnumbered, out-resourced, and out of options. When you're outnumbered, out-resourced, and out of options. The word option means something that can be chosen. Another... um, definition of the word option is alternatives another one is another path to the destination options we live in an option oriented society if you want an insurance plan you pick the options if you want a car it comes with options when you have medical issues the first thing you want to know from the doctor is what are my options can it be treated with medicine does it require surgery what are my options the word opportunity means circumstances that are favorable for a purpose to be accomplished an opportunity is not all the time it's a window And it's when things are favorable for you for a purpose to be accomplished. A good chance to advance yourself. 
is what opportunity means. Opportunity is a good moment to accomplish something. It's an opportunity. It's interesting that the Greek word for opportunity uh, that the New Testament is written in is kairos, which has to do with timing, meaning there is a, um, there is a time restriction always on opportunity. You either move then or you can miss it when it's a God-given opportunity. And the reason that I give you the definition, I gave you the definition of option and opportunity is because I wanted you to understand that sometimes you run out of options, but you never run out of opportunities if you know Jesus. Israel had come out of Egypt into the promised land, and God ordained, listen carefully, that they encounter a place where they were outnumbered, out-resourced, and out of options. I like options. I need options. I can't even walk. I'm so insecure. I cannot even walk to the pulpit without three or four sermons in my Bible as an option at all times. It's not just here, but if I preach to thousands, and th I always go... And I'm saying, I got to have some options. I can't just get up there with one sermon. I really need to be ready to flow. That's just how I do it. You do it like you want to. I'll do it like I want to. I like options. I like lead way. I like mobility. I like, let me put it in the terms some of you will understand. I like an ace in my, po in, in my pocket. You know, I, I like to know that well, I, I got something. I got an option. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But your adversary delights in shutting down every option in life so that you concede, you compromise, you quit, you stop believing. And many of you are in situations where you feel like you've run out of options, but the Lord wants you to understand, even though you may seem to be out of options, you are not out of opportunity. And when you run out of options, that presents you with an opportunity to experience the Lord and God like you have never experienced Him before. <laughs> Moses got to the Red Sea in front of him, two mountains on the side. He turns around and there's a desert behind him. And in that desert is a cloud coming up. And it's the chariots of the Egyptians closing in. And he had no options. When you run out of options, it forces you to say, it's not by might. It's not by power. I've done everything I can do in my power and my might. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I don't have options, but I do have the opportunity to fast and pray. I do have the opportunity to praise my way through this situation. I do have the opportunity to read the Bible and believe what it says like never before because I need a miracle of biblical proportions. When you have too many options, you think you don't need the opportunity to seek God. God led Israel into a trap. Not to trap Israel, but to trap their enemy, Pharaoh. And when you understand that the opportunity can work for you, 
When you have options, you are in control. But when you run out of options, God is in control. Do you understand that? Do you understand if you've run out of options in any situation in your life and you don't feel like that nothing's happening in that situation and you don't have any options, here's the good news. God is completely in control of that situation in your mind that you don't have any options. When you're at the end of your rope and you think it can't get worse, not only did he have no, he was outnumbered, outresourced, out of options. Then the Bible said, and the Egyptians overtook them. This is really bad. But God can fix it. Because when you don't have an option, you've got an opportunity to turn to the Lord. And when you turn to the Lord, look out. He said, stand still. I'm going to fight for you. I have a divine opportunity hidden when you run out of options, when you can't make it happen, when all of your ability of looking around has not provided any more opportunities for you except to turn to me. I thought about Mark chapter 2, how the Bible said Jesus was in the synagogue teaching in Capernaum. And the Bible said the house was so full of people and the outside was so full of people that four men brought their friend on a bed and he was paralyzed and they could not get him to Jesus and they had no options. You couldn't get in the back door, the windows. You couldn't even get near. So you know what they did? They ran out of options, but they came up with an opportunity. They saw an opportunity, got on top of the church, tore the roof off, and lowered the man right down into the face of Jesus while he was preaching. Sometimes you have to take advantage of an opportunity, and to take an advantage of an opportunity, you've got to look foolish. Sometimes you look stupid. Sometimes you have to take a risk. Sometimes you have to override protocol. I'm desperate. I'm out of options, but I'm not out of opportunity. And if I can get to Jesus, Jesus can take care of it. And a lot of you are out of options, but the Lord wants you to hear this sermon tonight. You're not out of opportunity. There's an opportunity to seek God like never before. It's so bad. I've heard people say, it's so bad. All we can do is trust God. Yeah, you just stepped into a dimension where God can lead you now. Whew. Did you hear me? I said, when you run out of options, you just stepped into the dimension where God can lead you now to his plan, not your plan. Nobody likes to get to a place where you can't fix it, where you don't have any more options. And I like what God told Moses to do in that moment. He said, hey, Moses, tell the people to go forward. Well, wait a minute. There's nothing in front of us but the Red Sea. Tell the people to go forward. How? Jesus, listen to this. God is saying, if you want an answer, challenge the obstacle. Go forward. Take a chance. Risk. Be willing to look foolish. 
Go forward. Don't let the obvious overwhelm you. Go forward in faith. Walk right into what is blocking you and saying, I won't move. He said, I'm telling you in 2020, I want you to go forward. I want you to live risky. I want you to move towards your problem. I want you to move towards your addiction in the name of I want you to move toward the barrier holding you back. And I want you to move in faith. And when he did, God came through. There's no way out of this. I don't know what to do. I can't fix it. There's no escape. Oh, my God. And God's up in heaven going. (laughs) 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 He's out of options. (laughs) Hey. I order steps. I save a girl off drugs and get her to marry a preacher. Turn her into a preacher. Use her to preach. I know how to put people together. I know how to do it. And when you run out of options, I dated Larry the Lizard. I dated so sorry, deadbeat. When you run out of options, turn to God and watch him do it right. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got timing that is right. Woo! Somebody shout amen if you know God can do it for you. I got to calm down. Once you stop looking around. Nope, that ain't the one. Once you stop looking around and you start looking up. God's got the right option. No escape. We all want to escape, but God wants us to experience. We all want to get out, but God says, no, I want you to go through. So that when I use you, you will be tender to hurting people. You will remember what loneliness feels like. You will know what heartbreak is. You will know what suffering is because you have been through it. And some of you at Dream Center, you, you've run. The only, let, let, let's be honest. All right, all right, y'all, all right, hold on now. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Here's the difference the world is built on making you, offering you options. Some of you never get around to the Lord, but you'd have never got around the Lord had you not run out of options. And so people end up in situations when finally they run out of options and God says, now are you ready for the opportunity of a lifetime? Come to the cross. Come to the name above every name. Come to the healer and the deliverer. He's actually using your your, your lack of options, your optionless situation is what turns you to an opportunity of a lifetime. Now, I could preach to them all night, and if you keep looking at my, I'll just put my pulpit right here in the amen corner. We love you, and you're going to make it. 
And God's going to take what you've been through and he's going to use it for his glory. Everybody take a praise break. Oh, in the overflow, praise him. In the lobby, praise him. Somebody shout on the devil today. Hallelujah. Abraham Lincoln. When I think of Dr. King and tomorrow is King Day and we honor a phenomenal leader, an American man who dreamed a dream and changed the world. Not just the nation, the world. But that battle went back to President Abraham Lincoln. And he said these words during the Civil War when the nation was fighting. And I quote, I have often been driven to my knees by the overwhelming sense I have nowhere else to go but God. I looked to the left and I didn't have any options. I looked to the right and I didn't have any options. But I saw that chair in the corner of my office and I heard an altar beckoning me, calling me, saying, get on your knees. You don't have anywhere else to go but to God. I'm the only one who can fix this mess of a nation. And I feel like saying, move over, Mr. Lincoln. I think I'll join you and I'll quit worrying and I'll quit fretting and I'll get on my knees and I'll turn to the God who can change things. Everybody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I, uh, I got to show you this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, I don't have it in my Bible, but it, I mean, I don't have time to look it up. That's it. You guys are getting awesome now. Jehoshaphat feared, but why? Because he was surrounded by three armies. And he set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And then he started praying this prayer and this is what he said. Jehoshaphat feared. And he gathered people together and they went on a fast. And then he says this. He says, we have no might against this enemy. He said, oh God, we don't have any power. against. I'm outnumbered. I'm out-resourced. Watch this. Go, go. He said, we have no power against this great multitude coming against us. These are real stories, folks. Nor, listen to this. Nor. Do we know what to do? We are out of options. But here comes an opportunity. But our eyes are upon you. We're so desperate, we're looking up. We're so desperate that we don't know what to do. We've run out of options, but it's turned our full attention through fasting. We're manifesting that need. And we're taking advantage of this opportunity to fast and pray because we have no more options, but our eyes are upon you. And that night, when they sought God, when they were stripped of their options, 
We don't know what to do. We have no might. But here comes the opportunity, but our eyes are upon you. God sent destroying angels to their enemies. Can I say it like this? What you can't beat, God can beat. Whatever addiction you can't beat, God can beat. Whatever bondage you can't defeat, God can defeat. Whatever situation you can't beat, God can beat. The opportunity was one for God to show himself strong on their behalf. Can I preach about five more minutes? I have, I have five and a half pages of notes and I'm on page five front page. So, so, so can I finish? God told Jehoshaphat, he said, just put the singers out on the front line. Tell them to take their tambourines and instruments and tell the singers to get out there. Now, if you're going to fight a fight, nothing against singers, but now Jonathan would be the exception. He's, he's like, but, but most singers look like me. But he said, put the singers out there and tell them to sing and worship me right in the middle of the battle. And when they started singing and worshiping the Lord, connected to fasting and prayer and turned the no option into an opportunity and God fought their enemies and God defeated their enemies and it took them longer to pick up the spoil than it did to fight the battle. It took one day to fight the battle and three days to gather the spoils. I don't know what God's going to do on this fast, but I believe it's an opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Samson was blind, bound, lost everything. He was in a prison, in chains. They plucked out his eyes. His strength was gone. Samson, who was so anointed, I was telling Sharice this. I preached to her at lunch. I said, I saw something about Samson I've never seen before. I've read this story over and preached on it many, many times. I've never seen this before. The only way that Samson could be defeated was his own family turned him over to the Philistines. Read your Bible. His enemies were not strong enough. The only way that he got in chains to the Philistines is his own family turned him over. And the Bible said that when his family told him, if you don't let us turn you over to the Philistines, they're going to kill us. His mama and all of them, they, they just said, we need to turn you over. And, and here's what he said that I've never seen. He said... Um, he said, swear unto me that you will not fall on me yourselves when they come to put the chains on me. This is so powerful if you get this. In other words, Samson was saying, the anointing on me is not taking names. 
And it's okay if you turn me over to the Philistines. Just make sure you're not on the battleground when I get under this anointing because it's going to whip everything in front of me. And if you come against me, don't. Oh, you don't hear me. The anointing is bad, y'all. The anointing, the anointing is is the anointing. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And when God puts his anointing on, don't touch God's anointing. Well, I don't know. I, I saw something and that, that just blessed me. So I told Cherise, I said, don't ever mess with me. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. She knows better than that. But, but, but here's one I saw in it. Don't ever join the enemies that are wrong in touching God's anointing, even if you're blood and family. Because that anointing, I don't control the anointing. The anointing controls me. Okay, let's keep moving. That's just a little side thing. Everybody say Samson had no more options. didn't have any options but he had the anointing and he said to the little lad just take my hands and put them on the pillow of the temple and when he ran out of options he came into a new opportunity and when he pushed on those pillows he slew more that day with no options than he did in his greatest battle with all of his man-made options Can I give you one more? In Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, and I feel like reading it. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. Everybody say bad. When she heard about Jesus, everybody say option turned to opportunity. She had, she had spent all her money. She had gone to every doctor. They could not help her. And when she had spent all, no more options, but she heard about Jesus in her desperate place. And when she did, here's an opportunity. And she said, if I can, but touch his garment. For she said, if only I can touch his garment, I shall be made well. Verse 29, and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. She heard Jesus was passing by. The same Jesus by his Holy Spirit is passing you by in this room where I'm preaching or wherever you're watching me. Jesus is passing by right now. Take advantage of this opportunity. 
God has given you the opportunity to repent. God has given you the opportunity to get saved. God has given you the opportunity to get delivered. God has given you the opportunity to get restored back to the Father. He's passing you by, and all you've got to do is reach out by faith and touch him. Take advantage of this opportunity. One more, and I'm done. Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. He took his inheritance. He went into the far country. He wasted his substance on riotous living. He spent all of his inheritance on partying. And when he didn't have any more money when he didn't have any more friends, when he didn't have any more opportunities, apparently, when he ran out of options and he was eating from the hog trough slop, he says something powerful. He says, I think I will arise. I've hit as low as I can go. I'm out of options. But this is my opportunity to arise and go back to my father's house. I'm out of options. But I know the way back home. And I know my father's house is full of bread. And even the servants have bread enough to spare. How much more will the father love the son? And when he ran out of options, that's when his eyes were opened to the opportunity. I will arise and go back to my father. And the miracle came. The Bible said when the father saw him coming, he ran to meet him. Threw a robe around that dirty boy. Put shoes on his feet and put a signet ring on his finger. Covered his shame. Brought him back home and said, crank up the music. Kill the fatted calf. We're about to have a party like you have never seen before. And the father never brought up the past one time. It was the elder brother. He said, I've been here all these years and you never had a party for me. I want to ask you a question. Sometimes it's the people who've been, who've really messed up who are the most thankful. Some of us have been in church too long. <laughs> that don't sound right, but it's the truth. Because we sit here like, but, but when you've really hit bottom and you didn't have any options, didn't Jesus come running 
He didn't hesitate with his love. He didn't hesitate with his mercy. He didn't hesitate with his grace. He came running. He didn't wait till you got home. He found you where you were and said, let me get you. You can't make it home without the Father. You can't change yourself. He has to bring you to that place. Stand up on your feet and everybody take a five-second praise break and lift up your voice and praise your Savior right here, right now. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 